You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and starting in verse 9 is where we are going to be. Our key, the key part of our text this morning will be in verse 12. But before we read this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, I, I want you to think about two statements that Jesus has made. In John chapter 10, Jesus makes this statement, I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. How many of you know that verse? I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. We love that verse, right? Because we want to live life in abundance. Jesus also makes this statement. In this world, you will have trouble. Now think about that for a moment. From the same lips, from the same deity, at one point he says, I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. But he says this, in this world you will have trouble. How do we, how do we equalize those two statements? How do, we, how do we understand how we can live life in abundance but also live in a world that Jesus says we will have trouble? Jesus says this, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says, be courageous. I have conquered the world. Listen, with Jesus, Jesus is saying, I, I, I have conquered the world. Therefore, in this world that you're going to have trouble, be courageous because I've conquered the world. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment. How many of you, not planning on it, but how many of you know there is going to be an opportunity this week, if not already, it's already happened today possibly, or or by the end of the day, that you will get offended? You know it's going to happen, right? As sure as the sun is going to come up, somebody is going to pull in front of you and, and slam on their brakes and cause you to spill your coffee, and you're going to get offended, right? There, there's all, all kinds of opportunities for us to get offended in this world. Jesus says, in this world, you, you will have trouble. One of those ways is there are multiple opportunities for you and I to be offended. But here's the deal. What we do with that offense is key. What will you do with the offense that you know is coming your way this week? Will you, will you take that offense and will you, will you bury it? And, and protect it? Will you, will you take that offense and will you water it by calling other people to come around and look at how you took that one little seed offense and you, and you buried it in the ground and then you said, hey, look at what that person did to me. You just water it. Watering that seed of offense. Or will you take that offense and as soon as you are offended, take it and give it to God? The text this morning is going to give us the instruction to take that offense and give it to God. This morning I've titled the message, The Freedom of Forgiveness. The Freedom of Forgiveness. If you have your Bibles open, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. 
Listen to what Jesus says. He's, he's, he's teaching this group of disciples. It's so interesting that, that, that the disciples, they have asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Now, here's a group of men who have grown up all of their life praying. But I want you to notice something else. Jesus has done miracle after miracle after miracle, and they don't ask Jesus to teach them how to do a miracle. They don't ask Jesus to teach them how to multiply the loaves and the fishes. What they ask Jesus to teach them, this is where they see the real power in Jesus' life. They say, teach us how to pray. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving them this instruction. This is how you should pray. He starts with this instruction on this is how you don't pray. gives us two instructions on that. And then he gives us this is how you should pray. Look at it with me in verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And here's the... Key portion of our text, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There's something very interesting in that text, and that is, a, and that is the tense of that sentence. There is a present tense, God, forgive us for something that we have already uh, as we have already done some, there's a past tense to it. As we also have. That's, we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us, God. We have forgiven those who have offended us. Now that we have done that, God, will you forgive us our debts? Verse 13, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Really, the power, the, the, the weight behind this is found in verses 14 and 15. This is really the sobering part of this, this portion of the prayer. For if you forgive others their offense, Jesus is teaching us. If you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your holy word. God, you would, you would help us to see the powerful, powerful truth that is in this text. God, I pray that you would help us to walk in freedom of forgiveness. God, I pray that as, as this message become, begins to be unpacked, God, I pray that if hurt begins to well up, if frustrating memories begin to well up. God, I pray that they would bring those to you and experience your healing power over them. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us this morning and shape us and mold us to be who you have called us to be. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. And forgive us, the prayer says, our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Debt is something that most, if not all of us, at one time in our life, know a little bit about. 
We, we have some kind of idea of what debt is like. We know about the extra hours we work to pay off debt. We know about the, the things that we do to try to uh, minimize debt. We know the things that we do without to try to, to try to pay off debt. We know the extra jobs that we take on to try to, uh, to try to earn a little bit extra money so we can pay down debt. We do a lot of things to pay off off debt. We know that, that even when we aren't even thinking about debt, debt seems to kind of control our mind. Even when we're not even looking at a, a checkbook register, even when we're not even looking at our, our bank account, that, that in the middle of the night, we can, we can be wrestling with the pressure of debt. We can wake up in the morning, and the first thing on our mind is our debt. We can toss and turn in bed at night trying to go to sleep, but the, the, the pressure of debt is on us. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that your sin kept you up at night? When was the last time your sin kept you up at night? Not because you were ashamed of yourself. Not because um, you didn't like the conflict that it had created within your family or within your work or within your, your sphere of influence, but just because you realized that you were in debt to God. Has that ever kept you up at night? Has it ever kept you up at night that your sin has grieved the Holy Spirit? Has it, ever, has it ever woke you up in the middle of the night or been the first thought on your mind that your sin separates your fellowship with God. Your sin has stained His holy name. Listen, sin is serious. All sin breaks the heart of God. Some sin has more collateral damage than others. Some, some sin uh, might, not, might not make very many uh, ripples in the, in the water around of us. Some of us, it's like, it's like throwing a, some sin's like throwing a, 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 a major boulder in, in, in the lake and just waves of destruction. But listen, sin breaks the heart of God. In the time we spend and debt to God is time we spend away from Him. And the time that we spend away from Him is time that we can never get back. Listen, clinging to sin, unwilling to confess our sin to God, minimizing our sin puts us in debt to God. And it keeps us from experiencing His will and His kingdom in our life. I want you to see the weight of ignoring the text that is in front of us. We have sinned against a holy God, and that sin puts us in debt to God. And I want you to see three reasons Three reasons I'm going to share with you for you to live in the freedom of forgiveness. Point number one, first reason is this. It is the grace factor. The grace factor. Listen, Christian brothers and sisters, we have received grace, haven't we? 
We have received grace. Therefore, we need to give grace. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Many of you probably know this. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. And here's the key, the key part of this text. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. We have experienced grace. Grace has been poured out on us, brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, we should give grace. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. Be kind. Be compassionate to one another. Let me ask you, who are the one another's in your life? The one another's are the people you love, the people you don't love, and the people who don't love you. That's the one another's. That's the ones that Jesus is talking to us about, about showing grace and be kind and compassionate to the one another's in your life, forgiving one another, just as God also has forgiven you. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were an enemy of God, He loved us. He didn't wait for us to to get things cleaned up. He didn't wait for us to no longer be an enemy of His, that while we were still dead in sin, while we were an enemy of Jesus Christ, He showed His love to us. Here He is saying, if you have received grace, be a giver of grace just as God showed you grace. Listen, I believe the only time that you have the freedom to not show grace to someone is when they treat you worse than you treated Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that for a second. The only time that you and I have the freedom to not show grace, to not show forgiveness, is when they treat you worse than you treated Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute, that was was 2,000 years ago. I didn't have anything to do with it. Absolutely you did. Listen, the Roman guards, they, they held the nails, but your sin swung the hammer. It was, it was your sin, it was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was your sin and my sin that thrust the, throne, uh, the, the crown of thorns on his head. It was your sin, it was my sin who, who pierced his side with the sword. It was your sin and my sin that his blood had to be shed to cover our sins. So let me ask you again, who, who do you have the freedom to not show grace to? Only if someone treats you worse than how you treated Jesus. And no one, hear me, no one, it doesn't matter how bad, how much we have been offended, no one has treated us worse than we have treated Jesus. Listen, if God has forgiven us, then we need to be kind. We need to be patient. We need to forgive just as God has forgiven us. There's another reason not just the grace factor. The second reason that we should walk in freedom is the guilt factor. You and I need to be forgiven. Listen, I want to walk in forgiveness. Jesus says at the close of this prayer in our text this morning that if we refuse to forgive others, He will not forgive us. Look at it again in verses 14. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. This is the sobering part of this text. If you forgive others their offenses, Jesus is saying to us, your heavenly Father will also forgive you as well. But if you don't, if you are unwilling, 
Because the offense has, has offended you so bad, the hurt has been so deep, it's been so repetitive. If you don't, no matter what the reason is that you don't, if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Listen, our unwillingness to forgive puts us in prison, and our cellmates is our sin. Think about that for just a moment. Our unforgiveness, when we have been offended and we're unwilling to forgive, that unwillingness puts us in a prison, and our cellmate is our ugly, nasty sin. How often do we, do we feel like, man, I just, my, my prayers are just, they, they don't get through the roof. I just feel like, like, like I can't get rid of this sin. It's just all around me. It's because you are probably in a prison cell and you can't get away from your sin. And listen, the longer we water that offense, the longer we water that hurt, the fatter and the uglier and the grotesque our sin gets. <coughs> and there we are in our prison cell, and our cellmate is our sin. Listen, unforgiveness is ungodly. Let me just lay it out on the the table. Our unforgiveness is ungodly because God is a God of forgiveness. If we are unwilling to forgive, we are being, listen, we are being ungodly. Scripture actually says it is a wicked act not to show forgiveness when we have been given forgiveness. Let me show you where that is at. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Turn there with me or just follow along on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible. Matthew chapter 18, verse Verse 23, Jesus is is teaching here. He's right on the hills. He's teaching the disciples again and others who are within earshot. And this is right on the hills of Peter asking, well, how many times should we forgive somebody? And Jesus says, what, seven times 70. In in other words, not not 490, but uh, an infinity amount of numbers. And on the heels of that, Jesus teaches this parable. Listen to what he says. For this reason... Speaking on forgiveness, the kingdom of heaven can be compared, this is a parable, to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one of his servants who owed the king 10,000 talents was brought before him. Now listen, everybody within earshot that heard that statement, this servant in this parable, this servant came to the king and and he owed the king 10,000 talents. Everybody in the crowd would have either gasped or laughed. That would have been absolutely impossible to pay. That would have been about $12 billion. It would have taken about 200,000 years of labor to pay off his debt. So watch what Jesus is doing. He's telling this parable and he's giving this this 7 times 70 example, this this infinity amount of numbers. He's saying it's it's impossible. What's, What's going to happen to this guy? Look at what happens. Verse 25, since he did not have any money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything that he had to be sold to pay the debt. Listen, everybody in the crowd would have said, he doesn't have enough kids. I've seen his wife. She's not worth that much. He he doesn't have that much land. I'm listening to He doesn't have enough. This is impossible. What is going to happen? Look at verse 26. At this, 
The servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Listen, not only is this servant in the story, not only is he a bad money manager apparently, but he's a horrible liar. And everybody in the, within earshot of Jesus teaching this story is like, dude, there's no way. It is impossible. You owe a debt that you can't pay. It is absolutely impossible for you to pay this debt. I don't know why I took those off. I can't read without them. I can't see you with them on, so I can't read without them. All right, verse 26. At this, the servant fell face down before him, and he said, be patient with me, and I'll pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. $12 billion. Forgiven. 200,000 days of labor owed the king. Forgiven. Nothing that the man could have done to pay it. And the king wipes his debt away. Look at what happens. That servant who had just been forgiven so much was looking at a death sentence, literally, but yet he was forgiven. Look at what he says. That servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, hundred days of labor, just a little over three months is all he, a hundred days of, of, of labor. It's all, it's all he owed him, a hundred denarii. The servant, he grabbed him, started choking him and said, pay what you owe. Verse 29, at this, his fellow servant fell down and he began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and he threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. Talk about ungrateful, right? Here's this guy who had a massive debt. There's no possible way he could have paid it. His family was on death row. His, his, he was on death row. Everything that he had was about to be taken away. He was his debt was wiped clean, and here's a guy who owes him a, a, a piece of dust compared to what he owed, and he throws him in prison because he's unwilling to pay. Look at, verse, look, at, uh, look at what happens. Verse 30, verse 31. When the, other saw, when the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed, and he went and he reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, watch this, you wicked servant. I, let me bless your heart today. You ready? That's us. That's us in the story. If we are unwilling to forgive someone who has offended us, but yet we have been forgiven by God Almighty, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, this is us. We can find ourselves in the story. We're not the king. We're not the servant. That This is us, you wicked servant. What he says, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? Because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. When was that going to be? He's going to take his life. He's gone. He's on death row. Verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to you Jesus pulls out of the parable, and now he's teaching us. So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives 
his brother or sister from your heart. What's Jesus saying to us? How how dare we have the arrogance and the pride to be covered by the blood of Jesus and yet walk in unforgiveness with the one another's that God has placed us around? How dare us? Who do we think we are that we, that we can be like this, this servant who has been forgiven everything? We were on death row. Listen, before you became a Christian, you were a dead man walking. But because of Christ's sacrifice, he breathed life into you. And now you are a new creation. We walk around holding grudges, holding on to anger, holding on to offenses, watering them. Letting other people come and water our offenses. Here's what Jesus says to us. Find ourselves in the story. You wicked servant. Listen, unforgiveness is ungodly. So we forgive because of the grace factor. We have been forgiven. We forgive because of the guilt factor. We don't want to walk in guilt. We want to walk in freedom. Forgiven by Jesus Christ. And then the gain factor. This is so good. What's the gain factor? Listen, when we forgive, we gain a brother or sister in Christ. When we forgive somebody who has offended us, we we gain them as a brother and sister in Christ instead of pushing them away. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 24. Listen, if you, if you go to church and you're getting ready to worship God, you're getting ready to lay your offering down and give to him, and, and it comes to your mind that you have a brother that, or a sister who has offended you, he says, leave your offering at the altar. It would be better for you to leave your offering there, go and make things right, and then come back and offer your gift. It would be better for you to miss the service than for you to continue even a moment. Here's what he's saying in that. Just even a moment of a day to walk in unforgiveness will destroy you. Don't let it fester. Don't, don't let it, don't, don't wait. Don't plant it. Don't water it. Here's what he's saying. Get rid of it. And then when you get rid of it, then you can come and worship me. You can lay your offering down at my feet. Listen, if you have wronged somebody, if you have wronged somebody and haven't made it right, or there is somebody you won't forgive, leave the gift. Listen, our unforgiveness, our unforgiveness of other people is like a clogged drain keeping us from receiving the blessings of God. It's keeping us from from offering our prayers to Him. He says, before you even lay down your offering, go and make things right. How many of you remember the pixie sticks? Do you remember the the little pixie sticks? I love love pixie sticks. I think they still still bake them. I hadn't seen them in long. It's just a straw of colored sugar, right? It's so fun to give to little kids and then tell them, you know, go back to your parents. But pixies, they're, they're awesome. How many of you remember the big ones? I remember the, the really big ones that were in the plastic straw. Like that, those would be so illegal in California today, right? Like, like a three-foot piece of plastic, a straw full of sugar. 
I could remember those as a kid and just, you know, I'd take it over to my dad or my granddad and they'd take out their pocket knife and they'd, they'd cut the top off and then first thing you'd do is you'd turn that up and I mean, you'd just pucker up all that sugar just coming into your, your mouth, right? After a while of turning that thing up, what happens? It gets clogged up, right? It gets spittle. <laughs> it gets stuff inside of it, right? And all of that good stuff is in the bottom of that straw, but there is a, there is a knot of spit and sugar that has become, become hard. It's like a rock. And what do you have to do? If you're going to get the rest of the stuff out of that pixie stick, somebody has to come along, cut it out, so that you can get back to the good stuff. That's forgiveness. That's forgiveness. We need to get rid of the unforgiveness. We need to get rid of the offense. I've told this story many times, and I'm telling you, I'm going to tell it again because it is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my Christian walk, and it is this. Outside of becoming a Christian, greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my Christian walk that has that set me free was forgiving a man who had offended me highly, and that was my dad. I'm telling you, I had so much anger, I had so much bitterness, and here I was, a, was a Christian, I was trying to follow him, I was reading God's word, but there was just a roadblock. There was just, there was just a roadblock in, in my walk with God. And I remember reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, and, and I was kind of in a hurry to get to the love chapter. It's like the love is patient, love is kind, love is uh, awesome. It just, but, but verses 1 through 4 says this, if you have not love, you can have all of these great gifts and all the great gifts that I was asking God to pour out on me. You can have all these great gifts, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. And I'm telling you, at that moment, I was reading God's Word, but God's Word was reading me, and it convicted me of the hatred and the bitterness that I had towards my father. Listen, my father didn't do anything to come to me and ask for forgiveness, but I was burdened. I was convicted. I didn't know what was going to happen when I asked him for forgiveness. I didn't know it was going to set me free spiritually. But I'm telling you, the moment that I said, Dad, will you forgive me for the anger and the bitterness I've had towards you? Elephant, weight of elephants was lifted off of me spiritually. And I'm telling you, I walk in a, in, in a way that I had never walked with God in my life. And it was getting rid of the offense. Did I forget it? No, I didn't forget it. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this. It was a gift that I didn't forget it, what my dad had done to me. Because every time I remembered it, my flesh would kind of, raise its ugly head. Blood would begin to boil. And then I would remember what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I remember the grace that he poured out on me. And I said, God, will you, will you help me to once again forgive him? Thank you for your forgiveness. Every time there was a remembrance of my dad offended me, there was a remembrance of me offending Jesus and Jesus forgiving me. So the un forgetful part, not being able to forget what he had done, wasn't a burden. It was a gift. Listen, I'm telling you, you can walk in freedom. You don't have to have a cellmate. You don't have to have, be in prison. You don't have to be a cellmate with all of your sin. You can walk in freedom. 
by forgiving those who have offended you. In the past, guess what? This week, you, 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 we know it's going to happen, right? It's just going to happen. It's just in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to happen. But listen, you don't have to hang on to it. Get rid of it as soon as it comes. As soon as it comes, get rid of it. Give it to God and walk in freedom. Maybe you have been offended by someone that has passed away, and there's no possible way for you to ask their forgiveness. You can do it through prayer. God, I'm no longer going to hang on to that offense. And I can't ask them for forgiveness. I can't seek their forgiveness back towards me, but I can forgive them. And I can no longer walk in, in, in just the, the slavery of being angry and bitter with them. You can do that. There might be some here this morning that think, man, I, I've never walked in any of that type of forgiveness. I don't know Jesus like that. Listen, I'm telling you, that is the grace of Jesus Christ. He forgives you at this very moment while you are still a sinner, while you are an enemy of God's. He forgives you. Accept his forgiveness and walk in freedom. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.